Hello, everyone. Welcome to the eTech Leadership Table. This is a podcast where we invite you to pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, and join us as we tackle some remarkable discussions on everything leadership. I'm Melissa Wood. I'm your host. I'm the Dean of Leadership Development at eTech Global Services. Welcome to the Leadership Table. You are not going to believe who we have at the table today. I, you know, when I would sit down as a kid, sometimes my parents would invite special guests to dinner. And today is a special guest, our very own um, Mr. Matt Rocco, our president and CEO of eTech. Welcome, Mr. Matt Rocco. Thank you, Melissa. It's, I'm excited to be able to, to be here and spend this time with you and with our I'm excited. Almost 4,000 team members been, out there. <laughs> yeah, they've, podcast been, they've audience. been waiting. Yeah, <laughs> our podcast audience have been waiting to see you. You're like a, you're the special guest at the leadership table. So for all of our podcasters, this is your time. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea. Pull up to the table with Matt and I because we're going to tackle some. I see you. What are you, what are you drinking today, Matt? What? Lemonade. Sugar-free all lemonade. Right. That is one of my first questions I ask usually when we do podcasts, like what's your what's your drink? Is it sugar free or is it real like sugar lemon water? It's sugar free lemonade. All right. Very good yes. for you. Yes. You. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, it's really I'm really glad to have you here at the table today. We're going to talk about probably your favorite topic is servant leadership. And I know that our podcasters have been asking about this and they have several questions that we prepared in advance for you to to go over. But let me tell a little bit of our, our podcasters some things about Matt Rocco that you may not know. So Matt's a published author and there'll be a link in um, the description here if you guys want to go read um, some of the, the books that he's co-authored. He's a husband uh, to his college sweetheart, April Rocco, and I know that makes him smile. They've been married for, man, how long have you been married? 34 years now. 34. Oh, good, good answer. Good answer. Because I'm sure yeah. April's going to be listening to this. He's a father. <laughs> he's a father of five. That's amazing. And recently, he's now got a new title of father-in-law to two new uh, uh, a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law. Is that right, Matt? That's correct. Yep. And those are recent weddings. You've been a busy, you've been busy these last Busy uh, year. Last busy year. year. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, you're no stranger. You're no stranger to teamwork. I don't know if uh, a lot of our podcast listeners that are sitting at the table with us today, if you guys know that Matt was a basketball player uh, in Pennsylvania, and he also was a baseball player. We'll have to get him on another podcast to talk about his baseball career. Uh, but in his senior year at, at college in, in Pennsylvania, he served as the team captain in his senior year. So Matt. Was that your first like induction into leadership or did you serve in a leadership role prior to being the team captain of that, that senior year uh, basketball team? Um, I had been captain in high school of, of the basketball team and I'd also been on uh, student council um, and I had a, a role, a leadership role in the fraternity I belonged to uh, in college. So it wasn't my first, but it was it was one of the ones that uh, um, that I was most proud of because uh, I was the only senior on the team, and I had a bunch of younger guys that really were looked looked up to me to set the example of, of of what it meant to play college basketball because it was a lot different than than high school. You know, you get to college, every player 
was a good high school, a great high school player. And now you're in college and, you know, you're no longer the best player on the team. You, now you're part of a team. And uh, high school is a little bit different because typically there's one or two guys that make the team go. In college, everybody everybody was, was a good player. And you really had to learn how to uh, take the skills that you had and, and incorporate that into a team because it was all about winning. It wasn't about individual performance. And so anyway, that, that was one of my most enjoyable years just because uh, I got to really uh, influence some of the younger guys on the team. Yeah, and I see, I see that's kind of worked into your your um, your corporate America world, the time that you spent um, almost yep. 40 years in this industry. So um, yep. well, I'm just going to see if I can tap into some of that wisdom today. I know servant leadership um, really is personally important to you. I've known you now for many years, and that's actually what I was drawn to eTech with as my conversation with you over the need that you had on creating a culture of servant leadership. So if it's okay with you, uh, our podcasters, they have some questions here, and I just want to dive into some of those questions, if that's okay. Yes, ma'am. So when we talk about servant leadership, it's the foundation of eTech, obviously. Tell us why servant leadership is the culture at ETEC and what inspired or motivated you to create this type of culture at ETEC? Um, that's, that's a wonderful first question. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I've shared with many over the years that um, early in my career, I was like a lot of other uh, leaders. Uh, I, I was, you know, for me, it was it was about the money, about the recognition. The game was is accumulate wealth. <laughs> and you did that by performing at work uh, as an individual contributor and, you know, going after the promotions and the recognition. So the monetary rewards that came with the promotions and the recognitions, I was, I chased hard as a young, uh, uh, a young leader in, in corporate America. Um, at the same time, April, my wife was had started her own career. Um, she was in retail and was moving up the ladder, probably quicker than I was. So we were both in our newly newly married and, and chasing the American dream, and uh, just trying to accumulate money and drive nice cars and wear nice clothes. And um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, at that point in our life, at that point in our lives, that was uh, I mean that was our that was a priority for us. And we started having our first child and then another one, then another one anyway. And so her priorities started changing, but I was still, you know, I was still running the race and it probably wasn't into my forties that I began to realize that um, there had to be more to life than accumulating wealth, buying nice things and providing for my family. And, you know, it, it was around this time where I, started really re reading a lot and talking to some of my mentors about you know what is it what is life's purpose is it you know to to, to make money pay taxes <laughs> raise kids and die i mean is, is that it is what is life all about and what is my purpose and through a whole bunch of i mean i can't even conversations and books read and seminars attended um it was during this town time that i would really began to understand and embrace what i felt was my purpose and uh 
that was to use the resources that I had to use my time, my talents and my treasures that I had been blessed with to give to others, to make a difference in others. And, and this was this was at a time when I had, you know, I was very fortunate. The timing was incredible because I had spent most of my career with Dun & Bradstreet, great company, you know, Fortune 500 company. And I was at a point where I had just left DMB. I had moved to Texas, was working with Bell South. And that's around the time when all this was going on with me. Bell South, another great company, big company. And um, it was during this time when the transition from, from Bell South to E-Tech happened. And, you know, I, I don't believe many, most things in life are by, by coincidence, but when that happened and now all of a sudden I was leading a smaller company, I was thrust into a leadership role, senior leadership role in a small company. Um, it's really when things began to unfold. It didn't happen right away. But it began to unfold. It began to come crystal clear for me that my purpose as an individual, what I was beginning to embrace, why not take that same purpose and introduce that at eTech? And that purpose is was serving leadership. You know, you, you lead others by serving them, by investing in them. And it was that around that time that I began, you know, really digging into John Maxwell. Robert Greenleaf uh, and others, um, other great authors and and uh, motivational speakers that 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 really embrace the concept of of serving leadership, which was so different than what I had been taught at Dun and Bradstreet. I grew up in a very uh, back in the '80s and '90s where you know it was a very autocratic uh, style of management. You know, you did things because I'm the boss and you're not, and you're going to do what I say. There was a lot of intimidation. And while you can drive results that way, absolutely, I don't believe you can sustain them. And that's really what drew me to serving leadership. It was that you can accomplish the same things as you can uh, in an autocratic style of management. And sometimes you have to resort to, uh, you know, different styles of leadership. But I believe that in that healthy organizations at the foundation of servant leadership and investing, spending your life investing and helping others reach their potential. And when they do that, then they in turn begin to invest and help others and so forth. And it trickles out through the whole organization. When I began to really embrace my life purpose, then I began to also begin to talk to people like Melissa and, and others, uh, Veronica, I, I had a great, um, pastor at the time, Justin Beatles, um, and his wife was Heather, who happened to work for us as, a, as in leadership development. We really began digging in and talking about, okay, let's look at ETEC's mission and purpose, and, and let's really let's really start from scratch. And what is it that we want to accomplish at ETEC and why? And then how are we going to do that with a focus on, on changing our leadership style, just totally transforming how we're how we lead the organization taking it from a top down really to a bottom you know a bottom down a bottom mm -hmm. up approach where where the leader's at the bottom i'm at the bottom of the pyramid um, yeah flip the pyramid 
And so, as you know, Melissa, we began that journey back in 2008, seven, eight, nine. I mean, it began and, uh, and it's still evolving, but it's been, it's, uh, it, you know, when I found my purpose in life and I, again, it just so happened, it happened at the right time. And, and, you know, I, this isn't, this wasn't by chance. This was being orchestrated right. above and, you know, it also, I was also in the role where I was now responsible for leading an organization uh, that would grow to, you know, where we are today. We didn't know that back in 2005, 2006, that we were going to be where we are today. But, you know, to, to see the foundation of this company uh, based on, on servant leadership has been, uh, uh, it's just been, I, I just get, I get goosebumps when I think about it, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I look back at all the people that have been involved in that and that I have run up alongside them and they alongside me and what, what we've been able to accomplish. It's, it's been incredible. Um, and it's been done with, you know, very little outside help. You know, we, we, yeah. we haven't gone out and borrowed a lot of money. We haven't, bought other companies we've done everything organically we've, we've grown and developed by growing our leaders uh investing in our customers becoming trusted advisors gaining their confidence um and and uh and then certainly um you know just giving back to to each other our customers and our community so anyway it, it that's that's kind of you asked the question where did it start from that that's kind of that's where it started and there's a there's so much history to that and so many twists and turns and when i look back on it it was it's clear crystal clear to me that it, 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 there wasn't anything there by accident how did i end up in texas why did i end up in texas why did i leave corporate america you know and, and, and come along with this guy dilla barrett who didn't know what a call center was but wanted to invest in the call center so he could hopefully put jobs in India one day uh, yeah. in, you know, in, 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 in the facility he built over there in, at InfoCity, you know, it's just, it's mind boggling. But so here we are, 2023, we'll be here in a blink of an eye. And, and this journey began back in 2003. So 20 years in the making and we're, we're still, our best is is still yet to come. I believe. So. I believe that. I believe that too. I, you know, I, this is one of the reasons I, I wanted you to sit at the at the table with us and talk about this. I it's just enjoyable um, for us as listeners to kind of walk behind in your footsteps and just how you clarified and unpacked the you, that you personally had to go through a a head change and a heart change before all this stuff was laid out for you. Right. So you didn't have the opportunity to to be the senior leader of a small company until your heart and head had changed uh, the years before. So just walking in your footsteps like we have done so many great leaders. I know you don't consider yourself one of those heroes or uh, a great leader, but so many of us do to see the foundation and, and walk with you as you you walked on this journey. It's been an honor and a pleasure to me to walk um, beside you as I'm starting to see this unfold. And like you said, our best is, is yet to come. So as we kind of think about the servant leadership uh, culture, you know, there used to be a show on TV called Mythbusters. You know, these guys would go in there and they'd be busting all these myths, you know, people uh -huh. would say. Yeah, and there's 
I, I used to absolutely in love uh, the Mythbusters, but there's some myths <laughs> about servant. <laughs> there's some myths yeah. about servant leadership, and um, I want to I want to throw out a few myths, and I want you to tell me. I want you to bust these myths for me, if you will. Yeah. Okay, uh, because you know servant leadership gets a bad rep sometimes. Because I heard you say, hey. We can, you can definitely drive results with intimidation. You can be an autocratic, you know, uh, you know, you can be a, a different type of leadership style and they drive results. But you said this wasn't sustained results. So let's look at some myths. Ready? Yes. All right. Myth, myth number one. Let's see if you can bust this one. Servant leaders are weak. That's one of the ones I hear. They're weak. <laughs> they're soft. You know, uh, they're good cheerleaders. Um, Actually, actually, my uh, my partner in crime used to think that way, and, and way back when that that uh, he didn't always agree with me um, with the direction we were going. But he he uh, he's there now. Um, but you know, so so I think what happens is people. My experience would be people think a servant servant and a servant leader they think of they automatically interpret that to be subservient so someone that is subservient is afraid or intimidated to disagree or or uh, correct or confront team members right um they're more concerned the myth is they're more concerned with keeping the peace rather than taking the lead and that that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth because what I've studied and what I learned through practice was that once you have invested in someone and you have a, a, a relationship built on trust and respect you can be a lot more direct <laughs> you can be a lot more forceful uh, with that person because they trust you and they respect you and they know where your heart is and yeah. versus if I'm just coming in and pounding on you and making demands that 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 you feel are, are not attainable or not sustainable, we're never going to have that conversation. And, and you're, what's just going to happen, you're going to eventually burn out and leave. Yeah. But if, if I have invested in you and you know that I'm authentic and you believe that I value you I can sit down with you and I can I can effectively address um, just like you do with your children, effectively address the areas that really they need to take a look at because <laughs> they're not yeah. helping themselves and they're not helping the company and they're not helping our customers. And so it takes courage to do that. Yeah. But what I've learned is those conversations can be a lot um I don't think they're any they're ever comfortable but they can be a lot more they can be a lot less comfortable and they can be a lot more effective when you are operating from a place of serving leadership um and then it allows i mean what i've seen firsthand it's allowed good interaction and good uh collaboration of setting aggressive goals mm -hmm. um and making sure that everyone on my team individually understands what they need to do in order to make those goals a reality and uh, uh, 
you know, when that happens, then the job becomes, you know, I don't have to worry about beating you up every day to get the best out of you. You, you, you perform because you want to perform. My job then is to remove obstacles that are going to impede your progress and, and give you the tools and keep investing in you so you can, you know, you can, you just become better at, at what you're doing. And it just shifts the, the whole, I'm not managing you anymore then. I'm serving you yeah. and I'm coaching you. I'm not your manager. Um, so, you know, if the fact that a servant leader is, is, liked by their people um and not everyone has worked with me as liked me as i've been a servant leader but you know i know what is it what is it that's weak about servant leadership uh i i've no one's ever you know that's the myth they're weak they're soft i've had that said to me by my boss i've had it said to me by many people over the years and i i just okay tell me what's weak about it yeah you know they, they don't have they and I think it's the mindset again I go back to what I first said people think of serve and they think of mm -hmm. sub subservient you know and that's, yeah. that's that's not what it is so yeah that, and, I see now go ahead I'm sorry I see now why you were picked to be the captain of that basketball team because you know you want to win you obviously are competitive I can yep. see it I mean I know you personally but I know you're very competitive you want to win but you everything. know that, yeah, and everything. But <laughs> everything. So when we talk, you know, you really did debunk this myth of leaders are weak because you said it, you hit it perfectly. It's courage. A servant leader has to have the courage to know when to say something and when not to say something, right? When to yep. push and when not to push. And that is the opposite of weak. Um, it makes me think about a quick story that I love to go watch um, different trainings. So I, I go, I went years ago and I watched the Texas high school football uh, summer, they call them two-a-days. You know how they call them two-a-days in Texas? You know, the, yep, the yep. high school football team. Two practices a so day, I, yep. Yeah, two practices a day in the yeah. heat, in Texas heat in August, right? All these yep. teenagers out there. Well, there's a coach out there and he did exactly, he was a servant coach, just like what you're talking about. You can obviously tell this guy wanted their team to win state. That's the ultimate goal, begin with the end in mind. Like they would huddle up and they would be like, win state, win state. But you could tell it wasn't about the win to this coach. It was about serving each player, helping each player become his best potential, right? Right. So I watched, I watched these uh, kids pull these tires. They had these huge tractor tires taped to, now they were like uh, on ropes and they were pulling them up the hill and down the hill. They would they would pull so hard that they would just physically get sick, right? Yeah, well, this coach yeah, is, yeah. this coach's wife, you know, this coach's wife was expecting their firstborn baby. And every day before practice was over, he'd make these kids pull these tires up and down the hill. It's not something they wanted Crazy. to do, but yeah. but they did it, <laughs> right? Um, you and I couldn't do that today. I couldn't pull one tire. I don't I don't want to look at a tire. So the coach gets this phone call that his wife's in labor and it's right before this team is to pull tires. Okay. The coach leaves. The other coaches are like, Hey, practice is over. You're not uh -huh. going to believe what I, what I saw after that. I saw these high school kids trap on the ropes on these tires. Coaches left the field and they were pulling these Did tires. Did it themselves. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome.
And that's what, and that's what, you know, there's nothing weak about that coach. Not, no. they went on to, they went on to win state. They won yep. state championships before, but that coach knew the difference of a week, you know, how to build um, strong players through um, this leadership style. So I, right. I agree with you about that servant leaders are weak. You and I could tell stories for days. All right, here's another, here's another myth I need you to do. I, I, I just want to say one thing. Get a sip of your lemonade. Yeah. Yep. I want to say one thing on that too. You know, I, I look back at, um, there's been so many great examples of, of where, you know, and of how our leaders have reacted, um, during crises, right. And, and, you know, yeah. certainly the pandemic, but I think, you know, something personal for me when I was in the coma and, and, doctors were convinced I wasn't going to make it, how Jim and Kayleen and Veronica and you and Ronnie might stepped up during that time and held, not not just held the company together, but propelled us forward. And even after it was, I had come through and I was going to be okay. I don't think I was ever okay. I'll never be okay, but I was, I was going to make it, you know, um, I wasn't being, I wasn't able to really be, I wasn't able to fulfill my role as CEO for a, you know, a good bit of time. And, and, and I wasn't concerned in the least because I knew the company was in great hands because I knew the amount of um, effort that had gone into developing Jim and Kayleen and Ronnie and you and, and Veronica and Guru. And, you know, I, I just knew that everything would be in good hands. And it'll, it enabled me to focus on my recovery. Um, and anyway, that's just, it reminded me of the story you say with, the, with, the, with yeah. the coach having to leave. And so I was absent there for, I was for two months, I was totally absent because I was in the coma. And then even when I came out, it was another many, many months till I could even start to even think about work, you know, and really, yeah. really be able to, to, to help in some capacity. But anyway, it's so that's, true. That's proof. I mean, that right yep. there, we don't have to, you don't have to go read a book. Listen here, listeners. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to look at an article for that. That's actual proof. This is a, a true story that happened in our lives here at ETEC. Our Matt Rocco is a servant leader. He had to step out of the game for a moment. And we didn't, and we, we, and I watched this team still pull the tire. In the hottest month, in the hardest time, they yep. still pulled the tire for our leader. So that's proof right there. So here's another myth I want you to debunk. And this one really gets me sometimes. And we, we, we're a business. We're here to make money so we can do some things. Right. Here's the myth. Servant, servant leaders have low standards. Low standards. What do you, what do you, you hear that one? What do you think about it? Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to say what I really think of it, but anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> so, um, hey, this is the, this is not the PG podcast. This is a, yeah, yeah, this yeah. the real Matt Rocco Raw. <laughs> so, you know, I think when I, and I had the great opportunity to spend 16 years with, with uh, Dun & Bradstreet and um, almost four years with Bell South. And when I look back at those and, and how, you know, how we measure, you know, what our standards were and how they were measured, everything was based on output regardless of the method <laughs> and uh 
that's the difference with servant leadership because you still have to have output like you said we're a business and we're going to be measured on output you know my the people i report to you know dill up in the board is they look at one number every month right they look at the, the bottom line and, and so that's the standard they have for me but i don't look at that i look at I focus in on uh, on the standards we're using to get to the scoreboard, not the scoreboard. Um, you got to look at the scoreboard, but I'm looking at the methods. Uh, um, I'm, I'm looking at how well prepared we are, how equipped, how good of job we're doing in preparing and equipping our, our team members, our leaders. Um, Look at, you know, your whole department, your whole purpose is to develop leaders at ETEC. Um, and we we spend, you know, we invest a good bit of money in, in equipping you and your team so you can equip others. I don't think a lot of companies do that quite like us. You know, I, 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 uh, I think it was Steve Jobs that said, you know, um, what, what is the call? What if you, what is it? What if you hire great leaders and don't train them? Wait, wait. What if you hire great leaders and train them and they leave? And somebody said, and Steve said, well, what if you hire great leaders and don't train them and they stay? Or, you know, right. something like, you know, so yeah. look at it, it, it. You, you, it's, it's a requirement that we, for our, for each other and for our customers that we are developing great leaders great leaders everything rises and falls on leadership if you believe that which i do great leaders are going to deliver they're going to standards are going to rise to their their capability right john maxwell calls it the law of the lid so you know we're gonna your leaders are going to set standards based on their on their lid and and if we're not developing every leader to be the best that they can be then we're not going to have, we're not going to, whatever standards we have, we're not gonna, going to meet those. So, um, you know, I think if, if you look again, let's go back to the example we were just talking about when I was sick. I think Jim and Kayleen and you guys all came in and probably set higher standards, which you expected uh, during my absence. Um, and that's, that's servant leadership. You know, they came in and they wanted to not only maintain uh, or survive, they wanted to thrive and, and take the company forward. So um, a lot of us grew up and we're used to a, a you know, a hierarchy that was top down power structure. Um, so, you know, I, I just think when you introduce people to the, you know, when you revert that or invert that pyramid, uh, the standards get, that get set really, they cut, they bubble bottom up. So, you know, and, and how do you do that? It's, and we talk about this all the time. You set clear expectations. Um, you know, you give timely and constructive feedback. You hold yourself and the others accountable for the behavior as well as the results. Look at, I've been, you know, in sales organization, I've seen people deliver great sales results. And then when you pull the onion back a little bit, you're like, whoa, you know, there was a lot of gray 
in those mm -hmm. results. And so it's not just the results, it's the behavior. Um, you have to provide excellent training, like we talked about, mentoring and other resources, resources to allow people to grow. And, and then I think what a lot of companies forget is you've got to recognize when people achieve something special, you've got to recognize it and, and you have to have compelling rewards uh, yeah. and, and you have to be consistent. You know, we, we spend so much time in trying to improve what needs to be improved that we forget when, when those accomplishments occur, you know, we forget to acknowledge those because we, we're right back into digging in, you know, yeah. uh, we spend so much time putting out fires or trying to improve things that when excellent things happen, you have to take the time to recognize and celebrate. So the, the myth that servant leadership, servant leaders set low standards is, is just, you know, it kind of goes back to the, they're soft, they're weak, they want everyone to hit their objective. Uh, that's that's just not true. I mean, the, the standards yeah. are what they are. It's, it's the focus on how do you get there and the methods you use to get there. All right, that's perfect. So. Um, you know, we, we could have uh, the next president or CEO or maybe a president or CEO of a company now that doesn't follow the servant leadership um, culture that sure. we do. Let's speak to those out here on this myth. Servant leaders don't have successful organizations. What would you yeah. say to those future CEOs or current CEOs that may be listening to us today? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's... Um... This is another one where I mean, there's there's leaders today within eTech that that I know feel that we could be more successful with a different leadership style than than serving leadership, and that you know I, I that I couldn't disagree with that more. And that doesn't come down. There's opportunities, of course, everywhere, and it, it's not necessarily uh, the opportunity is not necessarily with it. I don't believe with a the philosophy or the strategy it's 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 with having the wrong people in serving leadership roles it's really what it comes down to but as far as uh serving leaders don't lead successful organizations i mean there's been many examples in history um i mean i always i go back to let's talk about the first the greatest servant leader the first servant leader Jesus Christ, if you think, okay, what was his impact? Did he have a successful organization? If you look at it, the man walked the earth 2000 years ago and Christianity, the teachings of Christianity are alive and well and thriving today. It's the biggest religion, right? It has the most practices, practice practitioners of, of his, his philosophies or his religion, whatever you want to call it. So you talk about did he have a successful, let's forget about, you know, who he is or, or who he claimed to be. Was he successful in doing what he did and leading those 12 that he led that now, you know, look at today. Like I said, there's how many, how many, what is the impact he has 2000 years later? Um, Gandhi, another great example. Gandhi was, a, he was a uh, believer in servant leadership, peace, nonviolence. He actually studied and implemented a lot of the teachings of Jesus Christ and his own philosophies and the impact that, that he's had. But um, 
I have to look at E-Tech and I look at mm -hmm. our last 12 years. You know, we really began to come along regardless of when we began the journey, we really start, when I started seeing leaders transforming away from the more uh, power style leadership to the servant style leadership was probably, I don't know, 2010, 2011. I started seeing some things happening. And I started noticing that Hey, it wasn't it wasn't us up here preaching down servant leadership. It was bubbling up, and that's really when when uh, uh, the company began to transform. And when you look at our results from 2000 and probably 13 till today, it's been a steady, uh, just a steady upward trend. Um, and I think that is that is because of the the investment that we've committed to make and still commit to make and the journey that we've taken is we are developing um, and attracting employees who are engaged, loyal, committed, talented. Uh, we're not perfect and we don't keep them all. And we certainly have made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, but, you know, again, I go back to uh, could have we gotten through some of the things we've gotten through in the last 10 years if if our organization was different and i look at i look at you know covid as a perfect example i mean we we absolutely dug in to what we believed that what was important as a servant led organization we dug into those principles and that's what navigated us through covid and we didn't just survive, we thrived. You know, so many companies went out of business. So many companies that, that do what we do went out of business during that time. So, you know, I could go back in history and give you and, and Chick-fil-A. Uh, uh, you know, I, there, there's so many examples of organizations that um, Hobby Lobby that, that embrace a servant leadership style. But we don't have to look any further than our own e-tech to, to say companies that embrace servant leadership are not successful. That is, that is, that is not true. You know, companies that say they embrace servant leadership, but don't because they don't understand what servant leadership is. Those are the type of individuals that say they're a servant leader, but don't understand what it really means to be a servant leader. They're the leaders that cause people to say, servant leaders are weak, servant leaders set low standards. Companies that say we're a servant-led leader, leader organization, and I know some that aren't, it's just they like, you know, it's, 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 it's a thing to say, especially with today's millennials and, you know, Gen, Gen Y, Gen Z, they're, they're, they definitely respond differently. They, they respond to more of a servant-led uh, approach versus my generation, the baby boomers, where everything was all, you know, top down, you know, because that's what, that's how you were raised back then. So, but servant leaders are organizations that, that walk the servant leader walk. Um, you know, if, if, if 
they will be successful if they have a great product. You know, you, if the market's there, there's so many things that go into saying, can an organization be successful? But everything else equal. Okay, if everything else is equal, a company that embraces servant leadership, I believe, and I have seen will outperform a company that does. That's that's what I believe in all my heart, and that's what I've seen uh, in my experience. So yeah, and and you're right. We don't have to look any further than ETech. So I call that, you know, and we and we do see that. You and I have had those conversations about leaders who who uh, talk smart but they don't do smart. I've heard Dylan yep. use that. Exact yeah, he uses language. that all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and the way you're saying is, we talk servant, but our boots don't walk servant, right? So, and those, and that's easy to see. And that's why people say like, we, we've seen it over the years. We've seen other companies, they talk servant, but when it boils down to it, they don't do servant. And right. I really like that, that you created these uh, 12 character commitments. And as a company, we got together and we said, okay, here's our 12 character commitments. Here's how we're going to live out being a servant led organization. And then we define what it looks like at, you know, at ETEC. What does it look like to have courage? What does it look like to be adaptable? And I think right. that roadmap, that clarity, that that has really helped um, our leaders when we're faced with situations, just like you said, with trying to take every one of our employees and get them safely at home working. Uh, and we were very successful at that. And I believe everybody tapped into that adaptability uh, and courage. And, and then that's when we walked out, serve. Um, I call it practice your serve. You know, if you ever watch tennis, I'm not sure. I know you're a basketball yep. and a baseball fan. Yeah, no, I watch tennis. Yeah. Okay. You're a, you're an all sports fan that when you, when someone's practicing their serve, you see it on the court, right? Yeah. Yep. In the game. So I, I believe what we do in leadership development, what you've helped to create is we're practicing our serve that way. When it's time to play, right. you can tell by our, you can tell by our swing. We've been practicing our serve. Absolutely. Yep. So thank yep. you for debunking those. Um, I just have a couple of more questions, if it's okay. Oh you must yep. Okay. All right. And uh, you need to take a sip of that lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank podcast. you. It's time to take a quick sip. We're going to wrap up with just a couple more questions. And um, this question is just kind of, how does servant leadership impact the employee mindset and help us to develop empowered um, employees, which we call team members? You know, how does, yeah. how does that happen? Well, um, I th it goes back to what we were just talking about. It isn't, it, it's, it's the behavior that a team member receives witnesses in their leader that is going to influence them. So again, if, if, if we say we're, we lead by serving, but we don't really do that, boy, that's going to have, that's going to have such a, that's going to have a worse effect than saying, Hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a autocratic manager. I, I, I manage with intimidation and that's what I do versus, Hey, I'm a servant leader. I'm going to serve you to leave. And then I, then I manage you as a, you know, as an autocrat that that's going to have a worse impact than the first one, because yeah. I know what I'm getting into. I work for you. I know, I know how you manage. Okay. I can, I can either embrace it and go with it or I can leave. You know, those are the only options, but to stay and and uh, complain to others about how you're managing me is, is really not an option. But so 
if we're, you know, if we're walking our walk, um, and I've been, I've been led over the years by servant leaders, people that, that I knew cared about me and not just my results. They cared about my own well-being and my development. Um, it makes you want to win for that person. It, it makes you want to, uh, I believe, invest in others. You know, you see what you see those people that have invested in you and the difference that it, it, it made in my life, at work, whatever, it makes you want to pass that along, you know? Um, and I've, I've had so many people over the years come, come up, come back to me and, you know, they, you know, whether they're with e-tech or not anymore, it's like, man, you really, it, you don't understand the impact that you made to me at that point in my life. And a lot of times I'm, I, I don't realize, you know, I don't realize the impact. So I think to, to try to answer your question is it's, uh, when I believe when the team, when, when somebody, when you're working for someone that you know cares about you and not just your results, but cares about you and, and, and you personally, uh, what it is that makes you tick, where it is that you want to go, um, how can I help you, you know, how can I help you bloom where you are right now? That's the job of a coach, but also beyond that. I mean, how do I help you walk towards what it is that you inspire to? while you're blooming where you're planted. You know, I, I have this conversation a lot of times. People may not be 100% um, happy with where they are. And so, you know, I say, well, the, the choices are simple. The, number one is you, you leave or you decide I'm going to bloom where I'm planted right now. It, might not, it may not be the best for me, but I'm going to bloom where I'm planted knowing that another opportunity will be will come along because they always do and but to stay and not bloom and to stay and complain to stay and be the uh, the weeds that choke off the other people that are trying to bloom is not an option you know so um so i i believe if, if we're doing it the right way and 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 i, be, I believe most of our i mean I, i've had a great opportunity in the last month to to meet with all the leaders in Rusk and Lufkin and Nacogdoches uh, and Jamaica. I'm going to get to the other centers um, over, you know, over the course, hopefully I'll get be able to get to India in the next year, but I've had an opportunity to, to meet and, and really have authentic conversation with our leaders. And it really um, reinforced with me that, you know, we're, we're going down the right path and we're continuing. We're not there yet, but we're going down and we'll never be there. You know, it's a journey. It's, it's okay. not worried about the destination. We're about the journey. So I hope, you know, I, I hope, I believe, and I hope it's true that when you're being led by a servant leader, that it truly, it, it makes you, uh, number one, it, it not only inspires you to be to be the best you can be at that time, but it um, um, it will be something that you'll look back on and and uh, it, you know just just have nothing but good feelings about yeah. you know um, so.
Did I ask you your did, question? I, I you didn't answer, know if I you answered, answered it. You answered okay. it perfectly. I have, okay, okay, I have one more one more ball to throw at you so we can hit this one home. All right, you ready okay. for it? Check it up. All right. Hopefully, it's a so, softball. <laughs> it's no. It's you know, I'm, no, okay. I'm, throwing, I'm throwing strikes. I'm All throwing right. strikes. <laughs> All right. So, for everyone listening, what would you say are the top two things that someone uh, can do to create a servant-led culture? And what are a couple of things that they want to avoid? Well, you know, the I think again, I go back to our, our journey. And the, the first thing we did was uh that I did was rally the, the top people in the company and said, Hey, here's where my heart's at. This is where I believe we need to go. Are you with me? And not everyone was. If you remember, we lost a couple on the way. But if you're with me, how are we going to get there? You know, we had to have a plan. You can't just say, "Okay, you know, tomorrow we're going to be a servant-led organization." There, there had to be a plan, and that plan itself was, as you remember, months and months in the making. It didn't just happen. We had to have a plan. So, what what is the one thing to do? You have to have you have to have you have to share your heart with your with your top leaders. They're buying, and once you have your buying, then you work with them to create the roadmap. What you don't want to do is just go out there and 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 not have a plan and thrust something top down and say, "Hey, the, I mean, I, I see it so many times over." over my career you know okay hey we got a new vision and mission for the company here it is and they throw it out there and they put it all over plaques all over the place and nothing ever changes you know that's it we have a new mission what is it well it's up there on the wall but nobody it, it's it's nothing it's a it's a it's a two sentences that means nothing to nobody okay you know i i, I believe our mission resonates with our people because i hear it and i hear it more and more them it's it's and I see it through their actions. We're not just giving back to our customers. More importantly, we're giving back to each other. And we're also giving back to our communities. And and how we can do that is through our performance. It, it, that's non-negotiable. You got to perform. Um, so the roadmap, <clears throat> you absolutely have to sit down. First, you have to decide if this is where you want to go. You have... I mean, I, I know you working with our teams here in Florida. Um, uh, if, if, you know, if, if serving leadership and that mindset and that, if it's not the right fit for the organization, you, you, you're never going to get there. And there are some organizations where serving leadership doesn't work. The military is a perfect example. You can't go yeah. to war being led by serving leaders. Um, yeah. It just won't work, uh, you know. And anyway, so so um, there's got to be, you know, the road. There's got to be a buy-in at the very top of the company, and then mm -hmm. when that's been, when that authentic buy-in is there, then you work with them to create the roadmap, um, and then you begin 
you know, you got to have, and part of that roadmap, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. All the things your, yeah. your organization does creating all this, this training and the curriculum and the, um, and the, the opportunities to be involved within communities and so forth. But you get to a point where, you know, it's working when all, when, when it's not senior management pushing the vision and mission, when all of a sudden yeah. the vision and mission starts getting pushed from bottom up, that's when, you know, you're, you're getting there. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you spending time and I want to, I want to share this with you. I have, I have proof of this. I have a story to tell you. Have you seen that show undercover boss? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know that you could really ever go undercover. I think yeah. you <laughs> yeah. I want to kind of go undercover for you and close with this today. Yesterday, okay. I spoke with a young lady by the name of Shannon. She is actually the receptionist at the Jamaica center our jamaica center e-tech jamaica center okay okay and when you're and when you're talking about um you know cascading it from leadership and when people are pushing it you know from the bottom up or the top down you know a reverse organizational chart and you're talking about having buy-in let me tell you you don't get to see this because you can't go undercover but i try to go a little undercover with you and i want to i want to tell you what shannon said yesterday I met with Shannon. She reached out to me and wanted some mentoring. But here are the here are two quotes that Shannon made to me yesterday in the area. We were talking about servant leadership. She said, I want to talk about humility. And here are the two quotes Shannon said, and I wrote them down. She said, in humility, if you find yourself trying to prove a point or protecting yourself, you're not displaying humility. This is what she said to me yesterday. This is our receptionist at our right. Jamaica Center. Wow. And then yep. the other in the if you're if you're proving a point or protecting yourself, you're not displaying humility. That was her first quote. The second quote she made is humility is reserved for the strongest. Mm. So true. And I just thought that I thought that was really powerful and I just want you to know since you cannot uh, go undercover, I know that you uh, went around our, all of our centers and met with everyone. I just want you to hear these are quotes being made from the receptionist yeah, <laughs> in our Jamaica awesome. Center just yesterday, prove a point of protecting yourself and humility is reserved for the strongest. Your footsteps that we're following in, I want to encourage you, it's working, right? And um, that that we are, we are, this is a journey. We understand that there is no, there's no end until God decides to take us uh, up. But I think you'll, un you'll understand that someday what a legacy that you've left. Thank you for taking time with us today. I appreciate yeah. you sitting at the table, drinking your lemonade. Maybe next time April will give you a snack that you yeah. can have. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am hungry, but it's all right. All right. Hey, is there man, any, Alyssa, uh, thank you so much. Huh? Yeah. Is there anything you want to close with as we kind of wrap up? Uh, no, today? I mean, I just, I, I love everyone. I want you to know that I, I pray for you every day every day i pray for our entire company all, all of our people and um you know i've i've said in my update i know some of you don't see my regular updates but you know we're on the verge this year of a record year which is incredible after 20 years we're gonna have our best year ever this year and um it's a reflection of ev everybody uh and and uh you know what we're trying to do and and you know we don't focus on on those things, but when you focus on the right things, or the people, those things take care of themselves. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, 
hopefully there's something from today that's gonna you're gonna be able to take back with you or take home with you and uh and, and think about it and uh you know so um thank you melissa for this for this opportunity to share my heart and uh uh i i appreciate you and all that you do for for our people as well and our, and our customers and in our communities you're you're a uh phenomenal example of what a servant leader how a servant leader lives their life so thank you for that and uh that's it great all right great, great session thank you. thank you well thank you very much and until next time we'll see you guys next time at the leadership table and maybe you can be spotlighted as well so thanks a lot matt have a great afternoon thank you